right? We have risks that the labor market could start to heat up and services inflation could come back. Oil has been very cooperative, and that's probably why we're going to get a donut CPI this week again, because oil has been very cooperative. Financial conditions start to loosen, oil starts to spike again. Now, all of a sudden, you're incrementally delaying those rate cuts that the market wants. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Welcome to this week's economic podcast from Interactive Brokers. My name is Andrew Wilkinson. Joining me to discuss U.S. economics this week, Steve Sosnick, Interactive Brokers Chief Strategist and Senior Economist, Jose Tarras. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Jose. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Andrew. Great to be here. Morning. All. Well, it seems to be that the Santa Claus rally typically reserved for the stock market's been offered also to the bond market. It just seems to be Christmas all around, holiday season all around for everything. Steve, does Powell play Goldilocks or Grinch when it comes to next week's FOMC meeting, the final one of the year? And how hard might he push back against the idea of a March interest rate cut and further interest rate reductions in, during 2024. Here, here's the way I, I view this. Um, you know, I've, I've called Powell more than once Goldilocks in a suit. And, and the reason I do that is because at his press conferences, he usually tends to say what he's going to say, but then he kind of, I, I think he actually likes the reporters and likes the repartee and then usually so backs off the message or, or you know, and when I think about his most strident messages, it's usually, you know, particularly the Jackson Hole speech, it was him speaking to a camera in the middle of a prairie um, without any back and forth. I think this I think this idea, the Fed has, you know, that, that has overtaken the market and overtaken the Fed has got about cuts coming down the pipe rapidly, I think has got to throw them off a little bit. I, I've put this out on, on Traders Insight a couple of times. The change in expectations for Fed futures since the last FOMC meeting. So that, that was that was November 1st. So I took the day, starting point as November 2nd. Prior to his speech, actually in the immediate aftermath of his speech last week, and it's backed off a little bit after the payrolls numbers, but we were looking, we had moved the likely first cut forward from June to March, the, the fully priced in first cut from July to May, and pricing in five rate cuts instead of three for 2024. That all happened in the four or five weeks since the last FOMC meeting. What has changed to, to make people that concerned about it? Some of it is the rally in the bond market, but all the Fed speakers re-emphasized the 2% inflation target. We're not at 2% yet. We're making great progress. But we're not able to see two, sustained 2% two inflation. I don't see how we see sustained 2% inflation as early as March. And so where's that cut coming from? And I'd like Jose to, Jose, I'm, I'm, I'm curious for your point of view, because you'll provide a lot more solid economics behind behind this assertion, I, th I hope. Well, I think Jose's, he's coined a phrase, the monetary policy bridge. Before we cross that bridge, Jose, just give us some background on last weekend's, or sorry, last Friday's payroll data, and then you, you can talk about this monetary policy bridge that, that, that Steve is inviting you to discuss. Sure. So the headline details of the jobs report was were very impressive. You know, headline, we got 199,000 new jobs. We had the unemployment rate 
dipped from 3.9% down to 3.7%, and wages actually accelerated at the fastest pace since July, 0.4%. But when you look under the hood, this jobs report was particularly weak from a sectoral perspective. Out of those 199,000 new jobs, government and education and health services added 150,000 of them. When we look at the other sectors, the more cyclical sectors, retail lost a lot of jobs. Manufacturing probably would have lost jobs if it wasn't for UAW. Uh, transportation and warehousing lost jobs. Professional and business services lost jobs. And a ton of sectors added beneath 10,000 jobs. So barely added any jobs at all. So it looks a little weaker than might have been the case. So so tell us a little bit about how, how you're addressing what Steve's concerned there about going very, very quickly, this pivot from rate increases to rate reductions. Right. So these if these cyclical areas start to lose jobs more rapidly early next year, that's the scenario where perhaps some of those rate cuts can get pulled forward, right? And then the market, of course, is hoping for that from the, from a liquidity perspective. And that's why market players have been dialing up odds of a rate cut in March. However, are companies laying off workers at large? No, they're not. They're right-sizing. They're focusing on efficiencies. Uh, productivity, the bottom line, trying to maintain margins through a challenging economic environment. Now, we're crossing the monetary policy bridge, and it's a particularly risky journey when we look back at history. And the bridge starts at peak Fed funds and ends at the first rate cut. And the hope, the idea is that throughout that journey, we don't start losing jobs or start having some significant economic weakness. Right. The idea is to bring economic growth slower and inflation down to 2% sustainably, like Steve was saying earlier, while not losing a ton of jobs or seeing consumer spending totally fall off a cliff. So far, so good. As I said with the jobs report, these cyclical areas, construction, manufacturing, retail, finance, leisure and hospitality, if these sectors start to go negative and start to lose jobs while we're on that monetary policy bridge, then consumer spending is going to decelerate significantly. We're already seeing it in fourth quarter. We're already seeing consumer spending decelerate in the short term. But if we start seeing job losses, the unemployment rate start to go above 4% early 2024, that could be that will be a risky scenario for markets next year. So if you've got, so if I may, so if you've got a bridge to sell us here, Jose, the question is, is it, is it a, you know, is it just a little short hop over a, over a narrow river or is it like the causeway over Chesapeake Bay? How big is that? How big is that bridge? The bridge is particularly long. And the reason is back in 2021, when the Fed thought that inflation would just go away quickly and it was trans, it was a transitory phenomenon, Right. Uh, and then inflation surged to really high levels. That puts the Fed in a position now where they really have to make sure that they're getting this right. And there's not a lot of wiggle room for error due to the mistakes made in 2021. And because of that, and to your earlier point of sustainably being at 2%, that's why I think Powell has been pushing back against rate cuts. Uh, and he always says it's premature to be talking about rate cuts at this juncture. Uh, also, Remember, we have the SCP coming out on Wednesday, and that could be that comes out at two o'clock before the press conference. But if 
that only shows two cuts in 2024 versus the market's expectation of five, that could definitely spark volatility both for stocks and bonds. So great, you're calling Grinch instead of Goldilocks. I am because there's too much risk at this juncture to allow financial conditions to loosen further, right? We have risks that the labor market could start to heat up and services inflation could come back. Oil has been very cooperative, and that's probably why we're going to get a donut CPI this week again, because oil has been very cooperative. Financial conditions start to loosen, oil starts to spike again. Now, all of a sudden, you're incrementally delaying those rate cuts that the market wants. So, Steve, who's who's likely to be correct here? Equity investors hoping for that soft landing or fixed income traders projecting big rate cuts and therefore a hard landing? Or you can say neither or both. I think the right answer is somewhere in between, actually. I mean, I think we're I think we're in for someone asked me last week how I would project it. And I said, I think it'll be a bumpy landing because I think that there will be elements of both. There are going to be times where we're going to get fooled into thinking it's a soft landing. And I think that's kind of what happened, let's say, in much of November when when we when we did the huge turnaround after last last FOMC meeting. But at the same time, stocks were so enthused about the idea of rate cuts while bonds were projecting the, something that could no way be considered a soft landing. And so I think un, until we figure out which the right answer is, they both have the propensity to be wrong. Because I think the answer is going to be some of each, because the soft landing scenario is sort of a dream scenario, right? We're going to get liquidity back. It's not going to it's not going to affect uh, jobs. It's, people are going to still be employed, but inflation is going to come down. To some extent, that is playing out, but it's hard to believe that that is the end game without any hiccups in the middle. And I do think we've, and as we've, you know, we've backed off some of the hard landing scenario a little bit because, you know, the rate cut expectations have gone from, let's say, 75% in March to about 40 something percent this morning in March. And we're talking about more like four and a quarter rate cuts put in instead of like over five. So we have backed off some of the most egregious scenario there. But so, it really depends on whether the liquidity addicted stock market gets what it wants as to, you know, will almost be the answer of whether it's a soft landing or not from a stock point of view. October was a in, important inflection point because what we saw is I calculate that that's when excess pandemic savings went to zero, ran out at uh-huh. the same time, soon loan repayments came back, yep. you know? Uh, so, and we're seeing GDP, you know, sh- slow down significantly. Third quarter, it was so high, I don't even remember. It was like 5%. It was 5.2. Yeah. Now we're at 1.2% according to Atlanta GDP now, right? Wow. So we're cooling down sharply. But the question is, can we stay between too hot and too cold while we're on that monetary policy bridge? And that's the risk. That's yeah. the risk. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, I get the impression that we're going to have plenty of time to discuss this on the bridge next year, and we'll probably cast a line out and, and, and see what bites on the hook. <laughs> Steve Sosnick, Jose Taras, thank you both very much for joining me today for this week's Economic Podcast, and we'll see you in January. Take care, Andrew. Take care, everybody. Terrific. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Don't forget to look out for more podcasts at ibkrpodcast.com and all the educational offering we have at ibkrcampus.com. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at ibkrpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about interactive brokers, visit ibkr.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com 
financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, as necessary, seek professional advice.